You're listening to The Q's Podcast, episode 152. Welcome to The Q's Podcast, where leaders and experts discuss the top topics in credit unions today. I'm Lisa Hograff, Senior Editor at Q's. Today's guest, Dee Dee Myers, talks about the impacts of remote and hybrid work on people and their performance and careers. Dee Dee, as many of you know, brings a lot of knowledge about the people side of credit unions, whether that's applied to governance, executive recruiting, talent development, or succession planning. She's CEO of DDJ Myers, an ALM first company, our Q Solutions provider for succession planning and board development, plus the sponsor of our quarterly Advancing Women publication. In this episode of the Q's podcast, Dee shares what she's been hearing from the credit unions she visits about the current state of remote and hybrid work. In a nutshell, many people are seeing value in being in person again at least three and up to five days a week. Didi also shines a light on the impact of hybrid and remote work on performance appraisals, career development, and more. I know you're going to gain a lot of insight from Didi. So let's get started. Welcome to the show, Didi. Hey, Lisa. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's always so good to have you here on the Cubes podcast. And today we're going to talk about something that is being talked about a lot, and that is hybrid work. This idea that so many people are now working from home or working from a remote location to the office, some are all of the time. What I'm hoping we can do, though, is take this a step further from than just talking about hybrid work and what it is to the implications that it's having on things like growing your career or the networking that you're able to do, or some of those people things that don't always come out. How's that sound? Um, I'm game. Let's go. Let's do it. I know you're a great person to talk about this. And I know you travel a ton and you're with credit union people in the C-suite and the boardroom all the time. So first off, let's tell our listeners, what are you hearing as you talk with the leaders in the credit union industry right now about hybrid work? What are they saying? What's working? What's not working so well? Yeah, happy to share, Lisa. I think since the beginning of the year, I've talked to and surveyed and connected with over 2,000 people in credit unions. Oh, that's a few. Yeah, just a few, yeah. And so the conversations we're having with the C-suite and the board leaders has definitely changed in the last six to eight months from last year and the year before. There's a noticeable change, Lisa, in the narrative regarding work from home. Boards are organized now to work more in the boardroom uh, physically, and they're shifting either to every month in the boardroom or once a quarter in the boardroom in that deeper dive, uh, looking at the strategic plan and initiatives. And then the other two months, maybe just doing a light update. And then in the office, there's definitely a reported fracture in the culture regarding coordination, communication, collaboration. It's distinctively easier to collaborate. What we're hearing is when we're back in the office, Lisa back in the office. Not We don't have to be there every day, but we're encouraging a minimum, is what I'm hearing, a minimum of three days a week, which would be two days a week at home, Monday and Friday, where we don't really have to connect. And then three days a week in the office, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Very intentional space and time and effort on conversations that we need to coordinate and collaborate and innovate with others. So that's really interesting and not entirely surprising to me that people find that teamwork and collaboration maybe has extra synergy when people are in person and that there's value in those days of the week that people are in the office together. I also think that 
in-person time has a lot to do with sort of the people part of what we do in credit unions for the staff and for the executives and for the board. So talk to me a little bit about the impact that you're seeing of hybrid situations on executive careers, just for starters. Well, first of all, executives are exhausted. They're exhausted because they have to lead across multiple channels now, and we're not trained to do that. So we have to figure out how to do that and how it impacts our career. So we're also seeing that we're still in a mid-level crisis where mid-level managers are still not strong in critical thinking and strategic thinking and being innovative and conceptual. So what's happening, Lisa, is we have to do our work, our strategic work, and then we also have to reach down and be involved operationally and tactically at the mid-level range because our mid-levels are not ready to do that. So there's a couple things going on here. So they're getting very, very stretched. What that means is they don't have a lot of time to work on self-development. You know, even taking vacations, we're seeing as people come back from a vacation and day one, they're stressed again because they don't have the time to take vacations. They get so, so worried. So that vacation last glow doesn't last very long anymore. No. Huh? So we're recommending buffer days, a day or two before you go. And we're asking managers to give their people buffer days and a buffer day a day or two afterwards where you're just coming in, getting acclimated, getting caught up. So it is a conundrum. We've got to figure it out. And I have some ideas, but it's going to take some you know, courage and commitment for us to slow down and relearn how do we need to be effective leaders. Otherwise, we're going to be in a cluster really badly or soon. Really interesting. So being an executive today has a whole new level because you're managing people that are working in different places frequently. So interesting. So what about the talent development things like performance appraisals that, you know, long ago were always done face-to-face -face in a room and then for a while were all done on Zoom, as weird as that was right during the pandemic. And now they might be both. How does an organization or a leader level the playing field? So if they're evaluating one person over Zoom and another person in the office, how do they balance that out so that it's fair? Yeah, so first we have to relook at how we're performing or assessing performance of people. Uh, some organizations are not doing them anymore. Uh, some are saying, it's your responsibility to come to me and do a performance review with me. And then third, we still have the old style where they're done uh, maybe every quarter or at least once a year. The piece that we're missing quite a bit is roles right now. People right now are unclear of what their standards are, what the business model is, what the vision is, their North Star. And they're not sure what they're supposed to be doing and how it's measured. They show up every day, Lisa, and are doing what they think they can do. So translate that to performance review. There's probably some shock factor, right? So if we're not clear on what we need to do and those directions haven't been given to us and those standards, it's a challenge. So this is a place where I think we need to slow down, go back and look at what is the position description of the hybrid worker and what are the standards of success for that? and then get feedback appropriately there and more timely than once a year. And then look at what's different when we're in the office and what are the standards there. So I'm saying we need to go back and relook and restart a lot of things here so we could be together more. I've seen it would take a good year for us to go back and refresh and rewrite a lot of that. That's super interesting. I think I've heard you say slow down twice. Once to slow down for your own learning, make sure that you're including that. 
even as you're having to deliver on managing people in more than one channel, so to speak. And now you're also saying it with regard to performance appraisals. It's time for a second look. It's time to make sure that those position descriptions are written out as you really intend them to be and that the standards are really something that people can look at and understand and perform to. Another piece there, too, that I'd like to say, Lisa, is the way we looked at HR in the past is not going to work for us in the future. HR typically did the day-to-day operations, payroll, insurance, 401k, right? They counseled people, coached people, helped with recruitment. We need to become more specialized. So what I like to see is the bifurcation of day-to-day HR, HRIS maybe, from what we call T&D, talent and development, right? And so also in talent development, I like to see bifurcation there. Training is training on tools and processes. Development is the development of the person, the whole self. All that is needed. We need to be trained and we need to be developed. So the mistake I think we're making, which is a great place to look at how we want to be in the future in terms of our talent and personal and professional development, is what kind of person needs to lead that area? It's definitely not somebody that just got an HR degree or just got their SHRM. Yes, that's helpful. But what I'm seeing is people who lead those areas, either called chief people officer or DHRO or chief development officer, whatever it is, they've had a couple cycles in life. They know what it's like to be a human, how to empathize and sympathize and coach and mentor people to move towards their own North Star in support of the organization. So I think we have a place to look at how we can in organizations help our newcomers, help our mid-levels, and help our maturing leaders. Really great to hit at all levels of the organization with this. So you've kind of talked about who should be in charge of like the overall people strategy, right? And you're saying that might be best if it's someone that's been in this professional world a while and has seen a few things. You don't just know HR legal and HR processes and the information system, right? They have a bigger perspective. What about something more narrow, like a career path? Who develops that in credit unions today? What would you recommend? Oh, I love that question. Well, first of all, it would be a great business standard that everyone has a career path, right? So that would be part of all levels in the organization. It starts at the top. The CEO needs to practice it and needs to advocate for it, as well as all the C-suite. And so the C-suite should do it for themselves and encourage and coach others to do theirs. I think it has to start at the top. And every organization I know that everyone has a career path, it's so much easier to be nimble and flexible to reach their goals. It does start at the top and everybody owns their own. And how does this play into succession planning? If we're talking about building bench strength through the organization and then also having the option to hire from outside, How does this career pathing in a hybrid world fit into that picture? Well, it's interesting because recent research that just came out in September last week said that those that work in the office at least three to five days a week actually get promoted more because they're seen, they're there, they're in the meetings. It's easier to have conversations. So if you are a professional hybrid worker, you, you need to figure out how to be seen on those two or three days that you're in the office or how you can keep connecting with others in a meaningful way and maybe show up to off work events. So it's more work on your part when you're in a hybrid environment. You've got to find those ways and those channels and opportunities to be seen. Once again, slow down, apply a little strategy. Yeah, I like it. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. So I know you've been reading and speaking a lot on this topic and related ones. Of the research and of the articles you've been reading, was there one salient fact that really stood out that surprised you or that made you go, oh, that's really relevant, or I hadn't thought about it that way before? Well, first I'll talk about a piece that was validated. You know, when we went into COVID and people said, yeah, we're doing great. All, all the people I work with, my CEO said, yeah, we're doing great. We transformed overnight to work from home. And I said, well, what about culture? Well, I heard culture is great. I said, let's talk after we start coming back to work. So I think there were several blind spots that we're going to be able to maintain our culture through totally remote workspace. The thing about culture is the artifacts I think we underplay in the importance of culture. Like we walk into the office, we get the vibe, the colors, the furniture, the fabrics, the artifacts on the wall how we do things together is all gone. And it's in a box right now on a video and it's your home office, whatever that looks like. So it was validated. My concern was, what are we going to do when we come back? And, you know, unfortunately, yeah, we're seeing a lot of fractures in the culture and the foundation and people are starting to look at, okay, where are we now and where do we need to be in five years? So the piece that I'm really liking and what I'm reading is let's be strategic let's do it right. Let's pace it. Let's ask for a lot of feedback from our early workers, you know, those that are coming in early careers, you know, throughout the whole organization. So I think it was just validating that. And, and the piece for me there, Lisa, is, you know, there's a lot of work to be done out there. And I feel like we're in the right place at the right time. It's very exciting work. Indeed. People work is always very interesting and exciting. So what about the youngest members of our workforce? I'm mom to an almost 20-year-old, and his last two years of high school were really weird. What about those folks that are just about finishing college or about to finish, you know, have just finished college, and they're entering the workplace? Is there anything we need to think about for them in terms of helping them with hybrid or in-person work so that they, too, can create a career path for themselves with our credit yeah. needs? I think it's really a good idea if we have someone talk to those people coming out of high school and college and say, talk to us about your study habits. What did you enjoy? How did you study? Did you study alone? Did you study with people? What was your environment? What environment was the most motivating to you? Because then you could listen to say, oh, yeah, I, I studied with my friends and we were at the library, or I studied at a coffee shop and read a social table, or we went to a study room, or we go to people's houses that have a big counter and we go there. The theme is they study together. They study together and they challenge each other and they do work together and they like food. So if you're going to be hiring younger people and some of them, Lisa, have such grit and commitment, it's very exciting. And they're brilliant. They're brilliant. Like I'm sure your kids are. And they put them at a social table. Don't stick them in a cubicle. Give them food, encourage social time. They'll work more than your eight, nine hours a day. They'll find off hours to work together. So I think we need to do some discovery there. And the other thing is they like having a supervisor. They want somebody readily accessible next to them, not on a video. In our company, the interns come in at least three days a week and they don't like to be working from home. The other days when nobody's in the office, sometimes I find them in the office alone getting things done. But I just think we have some work to do there. And it's very opportunistic. 
I love the idea about listening because I do think that young people often do not feel listened to. And of course, food. There's there's a longstanding joke, right? That if you want the college students to turn out, you need to provide a pizza and they will come. <laughs> it helps a lot. A gluten-free one too. That's what I hear. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, that or maybe even a dairy-free. Who knows? What about yeah. your your own work? I imagine that you're very comfortable working in a variety of locations. Are you in the office yourself three days a week or? What's no, your pattern? no, I'm in because your you're office. on the road, right? Yeah, yeah, it is a it is a challenge. Uh, fortunately, I love my work, and I'm in my client's office. I would say about seventy to eighty percent of the time, somebody is shadowing me. Somebody from the office, whether it's an intern or a mid level, somebody's always shadowing me just to learn. And I remember that's how I learned. I just shadowed, shadowed, shadowed years ago. I had no idea what asset liability meant, what they were talking about. And then one day it all clicked and here I am, but I do a lot of shadowing. That's really interesting. And shadowing would be, I mean, I guess you could do that in both, both the remote and the in-person environment, mm-hmm. right? You probably have, right? Invite a shadower to come to the Zoom call or invite them to travel with you, either one. They all have access to my calendar and they're invited to jump in on any call. And my clients know this is how we roll. You know, Super it, it's, interesting. It's <laughs> Absolutely. And Unless I, it's a coaching call, then I won't do that. Gotcha. A one-on-one coaching call where you're working with a particular executive makes good sense. Yep. So, Didi, let's talk for a moment about the specific career path of looking to be a CEO. Are there some special things in this hybrid world that you would recommend for people that aspire to that top seat? Absolutely. So what we're seeing is that the internal candidates who aspire to be a CEO actually have to take specific actions to do that rather than just sitting there and waiting to be told they're on the CEO succession plan. So if you are a hybrid worker, let's say three days a week at home or two days a week at home, you still have to figure out a way to be seen by those who make that decision and get your voice in the room, particularly in a strategic capacity. So if you think you're going to be a CEO in five to 10 years, don't wait till the CEO announces they're leaving a year ahead of time. You've got to do that now and be aggressive and be committed and get a succession plan. Ask your CEO what you need to learn to develop. As much as you can, get a perspective from the board. You say, I want to be on the CEO track. What would the board want me to do? Talk to other people, get coached. But you have to step out of your comfort zone and get a little courageous and bold in that pathing. So regardless of whether you're working some from uh, outside the office, make sure that you're connecting with people, make sure that you're going after learning opportunities as part of your goal to be CEO. Yes. And one more thing, as I told a conference the other day, update your resume at least once a year. Not that you're going to go and go for an interview, but update your resume so you keep track of the accomplishments and achievements, the way you're impacting and influencing the organization. Number two. Be clear that your resume is not a regurgitation of your position description. That's very boring and not inspiring. So you want to focus on influence and impact. And number three, don't put pictures on your resume. Use the old school black and white. Don't don't put the pictures on there. Interesting. Great resume tips from Didi. Thank you. As always, you've been very generous with your time and your knowledge. Before we close up the show, What question did I not ask today that might be good to discuss for our listeners? 
So the question I would ask is, you as a listener, what are you going to do different starting today? How are you going to organize your time and attention on your people? And four or five years ago, we recommended that you spend at least 25% of your time connecting with others. Guess what? Now we're recommending 50%. Sounds like a lot. But if you think about it, 50% of your time, not reading emails or reading reports, yet you're sitting with someone, someone shadowing you. You're sitting in meetings. You're doing walkabouts. There are plenty of opportunities for you to be with somebody other than yourself 50% of the time for the sake of the future of the organization, for the membership, and for your people. So that's what I'm asking you to do. And that's wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the show again today, Didi. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks a lot, Lisa. I would like to thank you, our listeners, for taking time out of your busy schedules to listen to today's episode of The Q's Podcast. And many thanks to Didi for sharing her deep knowledge. Visit her company's website at ddjmyers.com. That's D-D-J-M-Y-E-R-S dot com. Find a transcript of this episode at cumanagement.com slash podcast 152. You can also find more great credit union specific content at cumanagement.com. Thanks again for listening today. Q's is an international credit union association that champions and delivers effective talent development solutions for executives, staff, and boards to drive organizational success.